You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. I want to pause and pray and ask God's blessing on his word before we go there. So won't you bow with me and let's pray. Yeah, Father, as we uh, come before you and as we open your word, uh, Father, I just want to begin again by just admitting how Uh, weak and needy we are. God, we need you to come and to speak to us. We need you to refresh our hearts. We need you to strengthen our hearts. We need you to uh, encourage us and challenge us. That's what we need. We need you to speak to us. Lord, if it's just me standing up here speaking this morning, then um, my words would be useless for us. So God, we need you to speak. So I ask, Father, that you would take meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth and that you would just saturate them by the power of your spirit to do good work deep within each of us. Help us, Father, to come to grips, to catch a vision of the massiveness of your love for us. Lord, as we're in this season where it's Palm Sunday and next week is Easter Sunday, Lord, I just pray that you would remove anything that would be a hindrance to us experiencing and comprehending your great deep love for us. Father, please do that for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. A quick question. I want to kind of start our sermon off this way. Um, I want to ask this question. What happens when you make small things into main things? When you make small things into main things, you lose sight of the big things, right? When you take the small things, you make them the main things, the actual most important big things get forgotten. It's easy to lose sight of the most important things, easy to get off track, easy to lose focus, right? especially this morning with all of our kids in here, I can see all of you. The great thing about me being up here is I see all of you and you all out there, all you get to see is me, but I can see all of you looking around the room. So it's just a, it's an interesting thing, right? It's easy to lose focus, easy to get off track. Shouldn't be this way with the love of Christ though because the love of Christ is the main thing of Christian theology. It's an all important thing. It's a, it's a huge thing. How easy is it for you and I to lose sight of the love of Christ? So my wife um, is a very important piece of my life. Very important piece of my life. So are my kids. Um, I imagine that every one of you in this room maybe has a relative uh, or a friend or a significant other that's really important in your life too. Um, Now here's the thing. My thumb is a really small thing. So everybody hold up your thumb real quick. Thumb is a really small thing. Now, as you think about that person, maybe they're in the room, maybe they're not. And if they're not in the room, then just imagine that somebody in the room is that important person for you. They're like the main thing, not your main squeeze, but the main thing. Um, Think about how important that person is to you and how, how, how small your thumb is. Now, just pull your thumb up close to your eye and just get a really good look at your thumb. And, 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 and try to look at the person that you were just thinking about. Now, that person that you were just thinking about that was like the main thing, the, the big thing in your life, becomes distorted at best. At worst, you, you can't even see that person anymore because all you can see is your thumb, right? The smallest thing has now become the main thing, and the thing that should have been the main thing is no longer able to be seen. This is what happens to us with the love of Christ, oftentimes. 
When I lose sight of the grandness of the love of Christ, what's happening is I am making small things into main things, and the main things are become forgotten things. When my desires get out of control, think about what you want the most. What do you want the most? Think about the things that you want. When those things become main things, then Christ's love becomes a forgotten thing. When I seek safety through seclusion, anybody else ever do that? Try to find safety by secluding yourself? Then something really small becomes the main thing and the love of Christ becomes a forgotten thing for me. When I try to seek uh, escape through gratification, then escape and gratification becomes the small thing that now becomes the main thing which causes the love of Christ to become the forgotten thing. When, um, when, I, when, I, when I seek justification or, 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 or acceptance or affirmation through performance, then those small things become main things and Christ's love becomes a forgotten thing in my life. When I make small things into main things, they become sinful things, right? They become sinful things that distort the massiveness of the love of Christ for me. And look, look at how massive the love of Christ is for the Apostle Paul in his prayer for the Ephesian believers. Verses 14 through 21 of chapter 3. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Have you ever thought about how massive the love of Christ is? When was the last time that the massiveness of the love of Christ captured your entire attention, your entire being, where you were like caught up in the grand scale of understanding and experiencing the love of Christ for you. Last week, as we began to focus on verse 18, we learned that Paul, as he prays his way through here for the Ephesians, he prays that the Ephesian believers would be strengthened. Picture of strength, right? Strong, empowered, rooted, grounded, not moving from the truth. Pray that they would be strengthened to comprehend or experience, not just understand, but an experiential kind of understanding. Pray that they would comprehend or experience the love of Christ, not just alone, but in community with all the saints. And that's not all that he prays for, right, in verse 18. He makes this profound statement, right? Praise that the Ephesians would have the strength to comprehend or experience the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of Christ's love. He puts descriptors on Christ's love. He tries to build out this massive 
almost unexplainable picture of Christ's love for us. How do we wrap our minds around this picture that he is painting for us? Just think about that for a minute. How do you wrap your mind and your heart around the experience of the massiveness of Christ's love? How wide is his love? How long is his love? How high is his love? How deep is his love? So the four questions I really want us to kind of wrestle with a little bit this morning. Because what I want to see in us is I want to see us return to our first love. We looked at Revelation last week and we looked at John's letter to the Ephesians a little bit. We just looked at it in context of John rebuking the Ephesian church and needing to return to their first love, being Christ, the love of Christ. And what I think we got a sense of is that as Paul prays against that backdrop too, as John rebukes them against the backdrop of Paul's prayer here, you get the sense that it's really easy to stray away, right? Easy to get distracted, easy to, to move on from Christ's love, to somehow think that that's for baby Christians and I'm more mature than that, right? I can't think of any other place that we could spend our time other than experiencing the massiveness of the love of Christ. So, so number one, how wide is the love of Christ? That's, that's question number one. We need to think about how wide is the love of Christ? I remember I was in our prayer gathering this morning that we do um, together. One of, one of the folks that was in there praying this morning was remembering what cool, crisp mornings in Colorado were like. And uh, I was thinking about the width of Christ's love this week, and I thought about the Rocky Mountains. I love the Rocky Mountains. One of my favorite places in the nation. I would say world, but I've never been anywhere else outside of the U.S. So I love the Rocky Mountains. And, and, and one of the things that, uh, uh, that I think about when I think about the width of Christ's love, how wide it is, I think about taking a trip to the Rockies. If you've ever driven there, uh, as you're driving along, if you're like me, just you can't wait, right, until the Rockies begin to appear on the horizon. If anybody else is as geeky as I am when it comes to that, but you just begin hoping that, that the Rockies would come up, that you would see them, and, and at some point they do. Like, I get really excited when they do, and, it, and they just kind of look like this little thin like black line on the horizon, right? Um, but as you get closer and closer, what happens is that mountain range begins to stretch wider and wider. What, what appeared to be this little thin dark line on the horizon, as you get closer to it, as you begin to experience it a little bit more, it begins to get wider and wider, right? And higher and higher. We're going to get to that later. But it begins to get wider and wider. And this is what the width of the love of Christ is like. At first... The love of Christ appears on the horizon like this thin, dark little line. You're not even quite sure what it is. And then as you get closer and closer, it begins to loom higher and higher and wider and wider. And then that's all you can see from one part of your vision to the other. That the love of Christ would consume you the more that you experience it. I don't think that there's anybody that could have a true an authentic experience of the love of Christ who would then turn around and walk away and say, 
of the love of Christ is not for me. The psalmist says, As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. You see, the width of the love of Christ is like the distance between the east and the west. There is no distance there. It's immeasurable, limitless, endless, wider than you could ever imagine. Like when you walked in here this morning, your sin may be looming large on the horizon of your heart and your mind, but the love of Christ is wider than that sin. Your out-of-control desires may seem or appear to be way too big for you to get a hold of, but the truth of the scriptures is that the love of Christ is wider than that. The suffering that you faced in your life may appear, may seem to go on forever, but the love of Christ is wider than that. Our desires, our sin, the suffering we face, those are small things in comparison to the width of Christ. Have you caught a vision for this kind of love for you? Have you caught that vision? Are you experiencing the wide love of Christ? Man, don't, don't let the most important thing, which is Christ's love, become a forgotten thing. Question number two, how long is the love of Christ? How long is the love of Christ? So this question, as I thought about it, man, it reminded me of our family vacations. I know that family vacations become an illustration quite often, and y'all are probably tired of hearing it, but family vacations just seem to work as illustrations. Uh, so as I thought about the length of Christ's love, uh, that's what I thought about. Um, we, we usually head out to a lake um, somewhere where there's not much cell phone coverage or, or people that we know, just to get alone and get away as a family in the summertime, we um, um, and, and usually, inevitably, like within 15 minutes of leaving the house, y'all probably know the question that the kids are going to ask, right? How long till we get there, Dad? Right? Are we there yet? How long till we get there? My answer is usually some version of, we'll get there when we get there. And I'm going to turn the radio up and please quit asking. <laughs> uh, but, but the thing is, is no matter how many times I might tell my kids, like, please quit asking the question, um, they're still going to ask, how long till we get there, Dad? Like every few minutes, it feels like somebody's going to ask that question. And the reason is because they're really excited to experience the destination and the place we're headed to. They're excited to experience that coming up experience, right? They've experienced it before, and now they want more of it. That's why they're asking that question. Now, let me ask this question about Christ's love again. How long is the love of Christ? And in what manner, when you ask this question, in what manner are you asking that question? In what manner are you asking that question? Is your heart full of despair when you ask this question? Or is it full of expectancy? Is your heart full of fear? Or is it full of joy? as you ask about how long Christ's love is? Is it full of despondency? Or is it full of longing as you ask this question about Christ's love? The scriptures remind me that the length 
for the love of Christ is eternal, is eternal. Not a turtle. It's eternal. Jeremiah says it this way in Lamentations. He says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. I'm going to read it again. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Now look at the person next to you whom you're supposed to love. Now, the problem for us is that we struggle to love people ceaselessly. If you're a husband and wife and you're looking at each other and you're like, man, I kind of hated you last night. You understand what I mean. Maybe it was this morning on the way in the church, right? Um, it's hard for us to love in the same way that God loves. Hard for us to comprehend or experience that because we are human. But the truth of this passage is that the steadfast, faithful, never-ending love of the Lord never ceases and never ends. His mercies never come to an end, ever. Like sometimes we think that heaven is the destination, like vacation. Here's the thing. Heaven is a destination, absolutely. But in that place, the experience of Christ's love will still never end. Comprehend that. It's not like you get to heaven and you go, oh, that's Christ's love. Now I'm bored and want to go to sleep. No, it's more like now you're in a perfect place where there is no distraction. There's no small things that become main things, so the main things become forgotten things. Now you're in a perfect place, right? And you get to experience the love of Christ perfectly. I can't wait for that day. But here on this side of heaven, we need to remember that there is no end in sight for the love of Christ. He has loved you and I since before the foundations of the earth. And he will love you and I throughout all of eternity. You and I are limited by time. There is a timeline for our lives. The day you were born and the day you die. My kids and I were talking about this on the way in this morning. I made the crazy comment that I am an eternal being. And the kids are like, you're not a mortal dad. I'm like, no, you're right. I'm not immortal. I'm going to die someday. Every one of us is an eternal being, though. And at some point, at the end of the rope of our life here on earth, we pass from this place into eternity. And there's only two places we're going to spend that, either in the presence of God or not in the presence of God. We're either going to be in the presence of the love of Christ, the never-ending love of Christ, or be separated from the never-ending love of Christ. It doesn't change his love right? There is no variation to the love of Christ, no inconsistency in the love of Christ. It's not, it's not like an irregular heartbeat skipping a beat here and there. It's a constant, consistent flow. Your sin does not interrupt the love of Christ. It interrupts your experience of the love of Christ. You follow me? Your rebellion does not put a stop sign up for the love of Christ. It, it only puts a stop sign up for your experience of the love of Christ. Your forgetfulness doesn't impede the love of Christ. The length of the love of Christ is unbroken, unearned, and unstoppable. No, no evil can shorten its reach. No suffering can 
shorten its reach. No amount of running can withstand its relentless force. Christ's love in length is relentlessly pursuing you and chasing you. Simply put, man, like the love of Christ is designed to outrun any opponent who tries to take it on. The question is, is have you been trying to outrun the love of Christ? And in what ways do you try to outrun the love of Christ? And don't let the most important thing, Christ's love, become a forgotten thing by making small things into the main things. Let Christ's love be the main thing for you. Number three, question number three. How high is the love of Christ? If you come back to the illustration of the Rocky Mountains for a minute, and as you get closer and closer to the, to the Rocky Mountains, to, to that mountain range, it's not just that they get wider and wider, but they get taller and taller, right? In a distance, they appear to be somewhat small. But as you get closer and closer, they get taller and taller, and your, your eyes begin to lift up, right? Like, I think this is exactly what happens as someone walks with Jesus over the period of time. That as we experience the grandness and the massiveness of the love of Christ, our eyes begin to move up from being right in front of us to being locked into heaven, right? So when you're deep inside the Rockies, man, the height of some of those mountains is absolutely breathtaking. Breathtaking. If you've never been there and never experienced it, it's going to encourage you. Just take a trip to Colorado just for that reason. And I, I can literally get lost in the heart of the height of the Rocky Mountains. And it's the same with the love of Christ. You get lost in the heart of the height of the love of Christ. The psalmist says this. It says, your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Like just when I begin to think that the sufferings of this life are too big to bear, the love of Christ looms larger in the clouds. Just when I think that I've sinned too greatly, the love of Christ comes into view in all of its immensity. Like Christ... Christ loved me so much that he was not just willing to go to the cross for me. He was overjoyed, full of joy to go to the cross for me. Like, listen, before the stench of your sin even reached the nostrils of your Father in heaven, the love of Christ burst onto the scene and overcame it. Before your rebellious heart began beating, the love of Christ compelled your Savior to take your beating. Let that picture sink in. Before I chose to love Jesus, the love of Christ chose to capture me. There's, there's nothing in all of creation that is higher than the love of Christ. No suffering, no sin, no man, no woman, no other created thing could ever compete with the inexpressible height of the love of Christ. So question, why do we take all those created things, men, women, possessions, time, jobs, why do we take those small things and make them really big things? 
and forget about the love of Christ? I think the answer is because we haven't experienced the love of Christ. Have you experienced the love of Christ? Have you spent time getting lost in his love for you recently? Don't let the most important thing, just Christ's love, become a forgotten thing. Number four, fourth question, how deep is the love of Christ? See, we can spend considerable time chopping up what the roots of our sin are. I think as a church family, we, we do that, right? Um, I'm thankful that the Lord has given us that gift, that we are unashamedly, unapologetic in our chasing the roots of sin to find Christ, right? We spend a ton of time getting to the root of the fruit in our lives, super important. And God's given us a good spirit for, for submitting to that and surrendering to that. We can dig deep on that side of the tree, and it's good for us to do. Um, but I want to lay something out for us. Uh, the scriptures teach us in Romans that while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's what this season of Palm Sunday and Easter are all about, right? While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. No matter how deep the wounds of suffering are inside of you, the love of Christ is available to renew you. No matter how deep the sin has run in your life, no matter how many times you've turned back around and rebelled against the love of Christ, the love of Christ runs deeper. No matter how deep the desires of your life are rooted, the truth is the love of Christ cannot be uprooted. The words of a hymn that come to mind here. Well, how deep the Father's love for us. You heard that song? I might try. How deep Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Yeah, right? And the love of Christ, man, it's deeper. It's deeper than your most despicable sin. It's deeper than your darkest fantasies. It's deeper than your worst failures. It's deeper than your most horrifying difficulties and suffering. It's deeper than your most shameful rebellion. Have you spent some time lately plumbing the depths of the love of Christ for you? Don't let the most important thing, which is Christ's love, become a forgotten thing. Another song 
that I have loved for years, and you might laugh. It's a song that I used to sing with my kids before bedtime. Uh, It's a children's song called Jesus Loves Me. I thought we might sing it together, just remember together. Because the love of Christ is so simple that a child can understand it. But when you and I become adults, we make small things into main things. And then the most important things, which is Christ's love, becomes a forgotten thing. So you might sing it with me. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Such a simple song, right? (laughs) It's a simple song with massive implications. Love of Christ is wider than you can imagine. It's longer than you can measure. It's higher than you can climb. And it's deeper than you can dig. And so the questions I want to leave you with is have you caught a vision for the love of Christ lately? Have you been trying to outrun the love of Christ? Stop running. Have you spent time getting lost in the love of Christ instead of being lost in your sin? Are you plumbing the depths of the love of Christ like a simple child song? Don't let the most important thing, which is Christ's love, become a forgotten thing. Let the main thing of your life be the love of Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the cross of Christ. We thank you for the massive love of Christ. We thank you for the width and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Christ. Father, I pray as we begin to celebrate communion together that you would help us, Father, to rest in the presence of the love of Christ. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.